Time now for Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester, America's premier automotive news and information talk show. Now, here he is, that automotive journalist with the photographic memory, Ken Chester. When friends don't stop friends from drinking and driving. Friends die from drinking and driving. Friends die from drinking and... Drinking and driving can kill a friendship. Welcome to a special holiday edition of Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host, Ken Chester. Regular listeners to the program know that about this time of year, I take one program to talk about safety. This year is no exception. I'm dispensing with a regular format for this hour to talk about what I am calling the four D's of driving risk. Drunk driving, drugged driving, drowsy driving, and finally, distracted driving. I will deal with these each, one segment at a time. Before I start, you're always welcome to be part of the show and the conversation at hand. Call or text me on the Roadworthy Driveline at 872 222-9793. That number is good anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you would rather email, my address is ken at roadworthydrive.com. As always, I'm fortunate to have my good friend and Roadworthy Drive executive producer, Jack DeLeon, at the controls. Hey there. Hi, Ken. How are you? Well, I'm fine. It's that time that we need to talk about this stuff. I know. And it's something I take very seriously because too many people are dying for no good reason out there. And this is one of those shows where I don't, how do I say this nicely? It almost is depressing to sit here and talk about this stuff. I wish I didn't have to. Well, amen. But, you know, I've had enough close calls in my life, particularly this past year uh, with a drunk driver, that it, it's compelling. It's compelling. Not, it's very compelling. Also, now, let's say hi to Sasha, shall we? Hey, Sasha. Hello, guys. Yeah, well, we are, we are fully complimented, and I want to talk about this. Okay. Let's try this statistic on for size. Did you know, according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, that every single day, 29 people in the United States die from an alcohol-impaired vehicle crash? That's literally every 50 minutes, which means by the time this show is over, at least one person will have died in this country. From drunk driving. Wow. And what bothers me is that most of the time it's not necessarily the drunk driver who is killed. It's the person that they hit. But let's deal with this. Drunk driving crashes claim more than 10,000 lives each year. That's one third of the people who die in highway crashes is because of the fault of somebody driving alcohol impaired. Yep. Now, the damages, just to give you an idea, property damage. $44 billion a year. $44 billion. That's with a B. Wow. Now, here's the thing. Alcohol is a substance that reduces the function of the brain, impairing thinking, reasoning, and muscle coordination. All these abilities are essential to operating a vehicle safely. Now, I'm going to rant just mini rant right here. Um, I was reading as I was preparing 
uh, this information for this program. I was reading someone's response who was complaining that, oh, you know, they act like, you know, it takes a whole lot, you know, to get drunk. Um, you know, they're acting as if a little bit would make you drunk. And they said, well, you know, a 134-pound person drinking two drinks isn't drunk. Yeah, fella, let me put that in check right now. Yeah, they've got ads like that for the tipsy driving. Yeah, let me break this down for you. Again, according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, everybody knows that .08 is the legal limit for, for drunk driving. Around most of the country. All of the country. Okay. All 50 states and the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico. If you, dry, if you test higher than that, if you blow higher than that, a blood alcohol level of higher than that, you're drunk. Now, did, Legally. I, did I hear something where they're trying to take it down to 0.4? I wish. Let Wasn't me get Utah? Let, yes, but let me throw this at you. Um, at 0.02, typical effects, some loss of judgment, relaxation, slight body warmth, altered mood, predictable effects on driving, decline in visual function. Rapid tracking of a moving target, decline in the ability to perform two tasks at the same time, divided attention. You lose the ability to do that. And imagine coming home from a party at night where you're also clouded because of darkness. That's at .02. That is one-fourth the limit. And you're already slightly impaired. At double that, at .05, still now below the legal limit. Below it. Exaggerated behavior may have loss of small muscle control, like, for example, focusing your eyes. Impaired judgment, usually feel good, lowered alertness, and a release of inhibition. Surprise. What? Effects on driving. Reduced coordination. Reduced ability to track moving objects like cars in front of you, cars passing next to you. Difficulty steering. Reduced response to emergency driving situations, such as maybe somebody stopping quickly in front of you. Mm-hmm. Or deer. Yeah, or deer or worse, somebody running into the road. Yep. This is still below the legal limit, and you're already seriously impaired. And this is not me with an opinion. This is from the people who know. This is the people who study this stuff. These are the people who research this stuff. Now, I've heard people can say that uh, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration mm-hmm. is... Very political. Aren't they like... Um, this isn't political. This is scientific, sir. I understand that. So, but, yeah. but, but what I'm saying is there's a lot of people out there who think that it's all got to do with politics. And no, it doesn't. This is science. This is, this this, is raw data we're yes, talking it is. about here. Okay. Yeah. Now, let's talk about what happens when you are supposedly legally drunk at .08. And bear in mind, in years past, it used to be .10. Yep. Mm-hmm. Muscle coordination becomes poor. That means balance, speech, vision, reaction time, hearing. Harder to detect danger. Your judgment is impaired. Self-control, reasoning, and memory, all impaired. What does it mean behind the wheel? Loss of concentration, short-term memory loss, speed control, reduced ability to process information, uh, a light change, um, looking to see if there's other traffic, and impaired perception. How far is the car in front of you? Is it two car lengths? Is it 10 feet? You lose that ability. That's when you're legally drunk. But let's go a little further. Let's say you're .10, just for the sake of argument. The old limit. The old limit. Clear deterioration of reaction time and control, slurred speech, poor coordination, slowed thinking. Driving? 
reduced ability to maintain lane position and brake appropriately. Here's the thing. A certain number of people who get pulled over because of this legal limit actually blow a higher number. Yep. Um, I, out of curiosity, let's go a little higher, just for the sake of argument. At 0.15, far less muscle control than normal. Vomiting may occur unless the level is reached slowly or a person has developed a tolerance for alcohol, which is a misnomer because, honestly, I've known people who could drink like that. They think they were all right. Technically, they weren't. Technically, they weren't. Major loss of balance. Behind the wheel, substantial impairment in vehicle control, attention to driving tasks, and in necessary visual and auditory information processing. It means you're completely useless. Behind the wheel shouldn't even be there. Did you know that in 2016, just over 2,000 people were killed in alcohol-related crashes where the driver had a lower than legal limit, that they blew a lower number. They were not legally drunk, yet their impaired skills killed over 2,000 people. Yeah, it's because the people aren't taking the tipsy driving as seriously as what they do. They'll have like a couple drinks. They'll feel like they're okay. Nine times out of ten when a drunk driver gets behind the real wheel, they will actually like over-exentuate, you know, their you know, their skin. They will their exaggerate. Yeah, they'll exaggerate their experience. When people are getting behind the wheel and they've had like maybe a couple glasses of wine, maybe a couple beers, you know, at the bar, they're not worried about it because they feel okay. I mean, they've got that calm state. They feel relaxed. They don't think that they're actually a danger on the road. And that's why. Let me read it again because it bears, it bears being read again. Last year, 2,000 people died in alcohol-related crashes where the drivers had a lower alcohol level, lower than a legal limit. They said from 0.01 to 0.07. Some people actually died at 0.01. Okay, now was it the drivers that died, or did they hit somebody and then they died? They did not say, but basically the drunk driver caused the accident. Oh, I have no, pro- I have no qualm with that. What my- so I'm just saying. And before we run out of time... From the Roadworthy Drive crew, please, if you're thinking about drinking, designate a driver. Coming up, the dangers of drugged driving. It's a thing. You are listening to a special edition of Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthy Drive is a cornerstone of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. of DUIs in Colorado are for marijuana. Why? Because marijuana impairs reaction time. Reaction time is important. As proven by the fact that you can't catch this skip ad button. Marijuana decreases your reaction time, making you an unsafe driver. If you're high, don't drive. If you're just tuning in, this is a special edition of Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host, Ken Chester. Driving is a very serious endeavor that many motorists underestimate. 
If you're a new driver, you might still be learning the ins and outs of driving. An experienced driver might overestimate their skills over time, attention span, or reaction time. And an older driver may fail to just realize just how their reaction time and awareness skills of the road around them have diminished over time. And these are people that are stone-cold sober, engaged and otherwise relatively attentive to the vehicle they're driving on the road. What happens when those skills are dulled by drugs, recreational or otherwise? In this section, we're going to talk about drugged driving. Now, according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, the number one drug that usually is involved is marijuana. But, in fairness, is not the only drug. No. We're talking prescription drugs of all kinds. Basically, any drug that will impair your ability, either alertness, make you sleepy, uh, make you less attentive. And there's a whole variety of them. But here's the problem. There's no federal standard. What's worse, it's not even consistent among states. Well, that doesn't surprise me. So here's the thing. You know, it's a new safety challenge. They are doing studies on it. Um, and they're trying to, get a, trying to get their hands around it. But right now, it's a challenge because the pharmaceuticals are running ahead of the ability to judge uh, that the safety officials judge to figure out just what's going on. Here's an example. Um, per, an officer sees a person weaving, driving erratically, which really, as far as a drugged driver goes, is probably the first clue that something's amiss. Officer thinks the person's drunk, so they pull him over. They have him do a field sobriety test. They blow a zero. Now what? Depends on the state you live in. In some states, the next step is either a blood or a urine test to determine. And there are a few states that actually regulate uh, drugged driving, but a few, not many. So what? let's say that they do. They pull you over. You blow a zero. So then the next step, they would have to actually take you into the police department mm-hmm. to take one of those tests. Well, let's look at a common example. Well, let's look at an example that recently happened to maybe eight or nine months ago. Tiger Woods. Perfect yep. example. What blew, he blew a zero, but yet he was driving erratically. And it hap- according to him, it was the medications he was on. He got them mixed and he was not in full capacity of... Uh, his ability to drive. And Why they got him for drunk driving. Well, okay, I don't but think how... they called it impaired driving. It wasn't drunk driving because oh, he okay. blew a zero. Uh, they call it driving under the influence of drugs. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. D-U-I-D. And, and when you say that every state has their own kind of laws here. No, that's the problem. Some states do. A lot of states don't. So what is it? So you're saying some states, even though they are driving erratically, okay, Mm -hmm. if they don't necessarily have a driving while drugged drugged or driving while impaired, you know, law that's on the books, what do they charge these people with? They don't. So these people could be constant offenders, reoffenders. But here's the problem. If, If the state doesn't have some kind of guidelines for the officer to follow at the time that you're pulled over. That they can demonstrate and prove in court that you were impaired either by drugs or by alcohol. Right. There's nothing they can do. And that, kind lady, is what's going on right now. Wow. It's really a problem. You know, and 
the thing is, not just marijuana, which mellows you out, but you've got folks on meth or coke goes the other way. You get more aggressive and reckless. And is there road rage? Right. And then if they test for that, what is the driving crime for that? Because obviously depends on the state. If you get pulled over for road rage, which is reckless driving, right. that's a charge. But you know, again, has to be witnessed by the officer. And the thing is, if they come up with with doing a blood test or the urine test and find out that you're doing uh, crack or heroin or something like that, they can also arrest you for using too illicit drugs. Yeah, they can. However, however, as far as driving, not necessarily. And then it still depends on state law. And then if you get into the rights or whatever, some people, you know, if they actually know, you have to wait 24 hours before they actually get a court or a judge to subpoena them. Because if you say no, I'm not going to allow you to take my urine or my blood. I mean, yeah, they could keep you in the tank for a while, but. Depends on the state. Okay, Ken, here's my question. Mm. In the state that we live in, mm-hmm. do we have laws that handles this? No. We don't. No. We don't. Currently... There are only four states in the country that even deal with, uh, in the case of the active ingredient marijuana, which is THC. To give an idea, we ran a commercial at the top of the segment about Colorado. Yep. When pot was legalized back in 2013, deaths due to driving while under the influence of marijuana more than doubled in four years. From 55 deaths to 125. Wow. Yeah. So obviously, Colorado is one of the states that has a law for that particular drug. However, there's a whole bunch of other drugs, prescription drugs. What about an older person on a variety of drugs? They mix up their meds. Yep. Happens. You don't take them like you're supposed to or you do. We've had crashes here in our community where basically they summed it up to the person had, and I quote, a medical condition. Right. And they don't go any further than that. Did yeah. they mix up their drugs? Did they not take their meds? Did they take it twice? Uh, did they not take it consistently like they're supposed to? Or so that, maybe it's a new drug that they just got prescribed. That they haven't developed knowing how they're going to respond, which most of these types of drugs say, you know, don't drive until you determine how this medication will, will affect, affect you. you. That's the thing. Here's something to think about. Illegal drugs are used by approximately 10 to 22 percent of drivers involved in all motor vehicle crashes, often in combination with alcohol. And that is according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Give you an idea. The most, uh, the most abused drug, marijuana. Um, you know, in, in fifth, only in 15 percent of crashes that were fatal uh, did the drivers have their blood alcohol tested suggesting that the incident of driving while impaired by alcohol or other drugs is potentially significantly underestimated. Food for thought. Drugged driving. It's a thing, and we're going to work to see what we can find out as we go on. When we come back, the next one, and probably everybody's guilty of this, drowsy driving. It's a thing, and chances are you've been guilty of it. This is Roadworthy Drive. Want more than 
your share of the road? Be sure to check out Roadworthy Drive on Facebook. drivers. One who's had a little too much to drink and one that could use a good night's sleep. What's the difference? Not much. While one's driving illegally, the other is just as dangerous. Almost one out of every six deadly crashes involves a drowsy driver. Keep from becoming a statistic. Take a break every two hours, drive with a buddy, and watch out for medications that might make you sleepy. Drive alert, arrive alive. A message from the State Office of Risk Management. This is the third segment of a special edition of Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host, Ken Chester. Thank you for listening. For those of you out there that need more than your fair share of the road, be sure to check out our website, www.roadworthydrive.com. There you can listen to previous shows, watch video of our behind-the-scenes antics in studio as we produce the radio show each week and more. Our social media diva, Sasha, keeps things interesting and entertaining during the week across the world of social media. Check us out there on social media and see how she keeps the word social in social media. Now, once a year, I take time out from automotive tech and breaking news to get very personal with you, my listeners. This is the middle of the holiday season, and myself and the Roadworthy Drive team want you to both enjoy the holidays with family and friends and, more importantly, arrive alive. I've had my own experiences with impaired drivers this time of year, one recently too scary to imagine, enough for me to double down on sharing the need to be safe out there. Now I'm going to talk about something that honestly, and, and let, me, let me do, I'm going to start by doing a survey right here in studio. Okay. Have you guys ever driven drowsy? Oh, yeah. Where you had to wake yourself up? Yes. Behind the wheel? Oh, yes. yes. Uh, in the last month? Oh, yes. No. Okay. In the last year? Probably. Okay. Um, I can tell you that during this time of year, I will probably, if I'm that tired, I will roll the window down. Yep. Yeah. Hold that thought, by okay. the way. We're going to come back to that. <laughs> the number? Well, first, three words. Three words. Drowsy driving kills. Yes, it does. Okay. 846 people died because of it back in 2014. Again, NHTSA. We're still trying to get a handle on it because the measuring of drowsy drivers in accidents, um, not so much. But they want to understand how people get there and, you know, so they can reduce related deaths and injuries and help people avoid being a drowsy driving statistic. Now, here's the thing. They don't have a precise count. They, they from what they get in their federal database when it's reported that way mm -hmm. is that it's kind of by by inference in fact of what was happening at the time time of day here's something that i learned that i did not know about this there are times of day where you are at the most risk um they said that most drowsy driving crashes frequently occur between midnight and 6 a.m which makes sense Yep. But here's the other one. Or in the late afternoon. Yep. Both times when there are dips in your concardium rhythm, 
Most Kincardian rhythm. That's the internal human body clock that regulates sleep. So you know. Okay. Many drowsy driving crashes only involve a single vehicle with no passengers beside the driver running off the road at a high rate of speed with no evidence of braking. They also occur, and we live in the upper Midwest, frequently occur on rural roads and highways. Yep. Big stretches of nothing. Yep. At night or in the late afternoon. And it happens. Well, and I would think that you could probably also say first thing in the morning and right at sunset. Well, like because the, Because the sun's in your eyes. Well, but that's not it, though. Because drowsy driving is not impaired I can't see. Drowsy driving is I can't keep my eyes open. Because, um, you know, my body's saying I should be sleeping and I'm trying not to sleep. And late afternoon makes sense because you're off. Normally, it's people that are just getting off of work. If they have a higher level of commute, they can't wait to get home and actually relax. And it's the body just unwinding. Let me throw this at you. Drinking coffee or energy drinks alone is not always enough. They may help you feel more alert. Yet, those effects only last a short time. And you might not be as alert that you think you are. (laughs) And if you drink coffee and are seriously sleep deprived... You might still have something called microsleeps or brief losses of consciousness that can last for as long as four or five seconds. I've had that happen. So it's the I. scariest thing in the world. Yep. You don't even realize you're drowsing off and then you jump awake. Mm-hmm. Here's something that should scare you about that. This means at 55 miles an hour, you've traveled 100 yards while asleep. You travel the length of a football field. Mm. Plenty of time to cause a crash. Besides, I thought a football field was 300 yards. No. A football field is 100 yards. Well, there you go. You've traveled the length of a football field. This is why I know sports and he doesn't. Ooh. Ooh, I'm scared of you. Oh, I know. Not. (laughs) And you should be. Uh Uh-huh. If you start to get sleepy while you're driving, drink one to two cups of coffee and pull over for a short 20-minute nap in a safe place, such as a lighted designated red stop. I've done that. For me, back in the day when we used to travel to the East Coast, I used to love to drive at night. My test, because it was in the days before cruise control, if I lost the ability mentally to hold a speed, I knew I was getting tired long before I got drowsy. Mm -hmm. Usually that was my test. If I could not maintain a steady speed, I knew that it was time to pull over. Okay, you just mentioned something that I want to ask you, a very quick question, kind of off subject. Mm -hmm. Off subject. Okay. It seems like the states are getting rid of their rest areas. Okay. Um, because you've got more gas stations than you used to have, okay. or more convenience stores or truck stops. Okay. Um, if you're in a situation where you're that tired and you've got to stop, your choices sometimes are the shoulder, an off-ramp, or try to find some place that you can pull if into I'm, if and I'm take in, a nap. If I'm in the middle of nowhere, I'll take an off-ramp any day. You know why? Because that trucker who's been driving for 10 hours mm-hmm. and all he's got to do is miss by three feet, swerve. And with my luck, that's where I'm at on the ramp. And if he hits me at 65 miles an hour, even just clips my car, I'm a dead man. Yeah, you are. Yeah, no. Pulling off to the side of a road, particularly an interstate, bad idea. You're better off on the off-ramp if you had to. Or if you really want to be careful, if you notice while you're driving, a lot of truckers will pull off on the on-ramp. Yep. Why? Because people, when they, if you turn right there, 
and usually the trucks are right there at the turn, mm-hmm. you're not going fast enough to do any damage. That's true. And you'll notice most of the truckers, when they pull off, if they have to pull off because they hit that federal time, uh, they're going to be right there. So think like a trucker. If you are out there at, far from anywhere, you know, pull off, get onto the very start of an on-ramp and just pull off onto the shoulder, grab a nap. It's still safer than being on the highway because you might be okay, but th- that doesn't guarantee that the next guy coming up the road is okay, either reaching for his phone or he dropped his pop or something, and he leans well, I- and the vehicle swerves. And maybe if there was nothing there, no problem. But guess what? You're there. And that could be a problem. Okay, folks. When we get back, finally, the 800-pound bear in the room, distracted driving. Roadworthy Drive is heard exclusively on the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Roadworthy Drive. Like us on Facebook. Yes, I know he's a dog. Puddles, you're going outside with Jennifer to do your business. Right by your favorite bush. The green one. Brittany, Brittany, time travel is possible. It's totally possible. Yeah, and what about the space-time continuum? The fabric of time is interwoven. Some people choose unlimited calling. Others choose unlimited texting. But there's one thing not included in any calling plan. The common sense not to talk or text while you drive. If you're just joining in, this is the fourth and last segment of this special episode of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. Thank you for dropping by. Now, during this hour, I've been talking about what I am calling the four D's of risky driving behavior. That's drunk driving, drugged driving. Yeah, it's a thing. Drowsy driving. And now for this segment, distracted driving. And a lot of people will understand and can relate to distracted driving. But... While it's mainly uh, associated with cell phones, there's so much more that distract drivers these days. Vehicles just don't have radios anymore. They're called infotainment systems. The automakers have responded to facilitating cell phone conversations by making wireless Bluetooth hands-free phone systems standard that you can sync your phone to. Truth is, this is a false sense of security. Anything, and I mean anything, that takes your attention away and your ability to respond to road conditions and situations is dangerous. And did I mean, did I mention anything, anything to you, your passengers, and everybody around you? Here's a statistic for you, because I'm loving statistics during this show. 2015, two years ago, 3,477 people died, 391,000 thousand were injured in motor vehicle crashes involving as my producer says wait for it distracted drivers during the daylight hours 660,000 drivers are using their cell phones while driving and it appears to me pretty much everybody around me now for the record I don't want a cell phone so I don't do it and even when my wife is on the phone on a cell phone I'm driving if they want to talk to me they got to wait till I pull over 
And what cured me of that uh, was a st I actually saw a demonstration on TV. Uh, CNBC did it. Phil LeBeau, who I've met, actually, uh, they took him out to a course and they had him try to drive and talk on a cell phone and then let things happen. He missed most of it. And that cured me of ever wanting to do that again. Because even though you think you're looking at things, you're not processing things. So with, you're driving blind with your eyes wide open. You know, and it's not just your cell phone. It could be adjusting the radio. It could be fooling with your infotainment system. It could be reaching for something. It could be talking to someone else. Driving is serious business. And people are dying because we're not paying attention. If I had a dollar for every person I saw talking on a cell phone, while trying to drive, and usually, and you can tell who they are, they're in the passing lane doing 45 miles an hour, and, and people trying to get around them, they'll cause an accident because they're not engaged at all. And because of them not being engaged and kind of sleepwalking their vehicle down the road, other people are having to respond to that, and sometimes they're the cause of the accident. So it's actually much deeper than just them actually causing the accident directly. You know, indirectly because of their behavior, they may be causing an accident. So it makes me a little crazy. Um, NHTSA, who we've referred to a lot during this program, um, is launching a national advertising campaign with a law enforcement crackdown, and I love it. You drive, you text, you pay. I love it. I feel everybody should. Because you cannot, you cannot. A motor vehicle, a two, a, a, 4,000-pound vehicle is two tons of sheet metal. At speed, it is a deadly object. At speed in the wrong hands or in hands that are unqualified, uh, plus you're distracted. It's lethal. It's lethal. And then for the people who think, oh, I can drive, I can do it, and a lot of people think, no problem, I got my booth tooth, I'm fine because my hands aren't on the thing. Uh, wrong again. You're usually the people who get in accidents. And I'm looking at my producer because I know he's kind of guilty of some of that. As I've actually talked to you while you were driving on the phone. This kind of stuff really makes me angry. Share, please. Because I've driven probably more miles than most people ever have. Okay. I can do this you were going to say with day. your eyes closed. No. All day, <laughs> all day, all day, every day. Okay. But here's... But and... Here's, go ahead. It, for somebody to sit there and tell me that they can figure out what, I, what I'm doing, you don't have my eyes. You don't have my thought process. This is the kind of stuff that just... This is where I feel like it's big brother. Okay. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Sure. How much does your truck weigh? Roughly. I don't know. Probably three tons. Probably. Uh, do you know how much force that truck exhibits at five miles an hour against a brick wall? A lot. Yes, sir. Here's the thing. You might, okay? Doesn't mean that the next guy in your situation has that capability. I've driven hundreds of thousands of miles. The problem is that at speed, things happen. And while, yeah. while you may be... Going down the street, maybe the same road you've traveled always, so you kind of know what to expect. But maybe the next time you're going down a road you're not familiar with, and you get a phone call, and you're not aware. You know, yeah, I'm not going to say that 
this is absolute. But I'm still contending that anything that takes your attention off the road is dangerous. Okay, Ken, I'm going to try to say this as gently as I can. Mm -hmm. Everything is a distraction when you're driving. Agreed. Okay, because if you see a nice-looking person that you could potentially be attracted to, that is a distraction. But if you're looking that hard while you're driving, I mean... I'm not... I'm I'm just saying. I know. I'm just saying. You know, but it, most of the travel you do, though, is highway miles. You do Pretty some, much. So that's a whole different thing. And honest to God, if you are looking at 65 miles an hour, I've got concerns. If you're seeing it at that... I mean, it's literally a finger snap. But here's my point, Jack. It's not that you... I'm not saying that – well, there's no nice way to say it. I'm not saying you're an incompetent driver. All I'm saying is anything that takes a person's attention away from the task at hand can be deadly. Some people are better at mastering it than others. But there's no guarantee that everybody's that good. And that's the problem. You might be. The guy next to you driving the same kind of truck you are with a cell phone may not be as good as you. And that's the problem. So – Folks, that concludes our special program on Risky Driving. Please, on behalf of the team here at Roadworthy Drive, enjoy your family, your friends, and the holidays safely. You've been listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.